Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Good morning. And before I get started, uh, my father-in-law, Wayne Huda, uh, who just has his knee, knee operated on, is also a missionary sent out by uh, you dear folks, and he sends his hellos. And thank you for your prayers and all the, the help over the years for the ministry he has with Sunset Solutions and getting the gospel out. Um, and this morning, for Ruth and I, we want to say thank you to you guys, uh, to this church. I'm trying to think through, and it's been actually over 30 years that uh, you've been walking with us in Mexico. Some of you literally have been down there in a couple of uh, the villages where we've worked. But the Lord has been doing some, he's, he's been calling to the Indian people in Mexico. Um, and we are, we are rejoicing in that. Um, with all the struggles and challenges, uh, the Lord is still working there. We'll take the first slide there. Um, the people we've been working with for most of these 30 years are called the Tarahumara. And they're a, an animistic people, generally, which means that they, they um, worship the spirits more. And it's not a worship like we just got done in, in praising the Lord for his mercies and goodness. Rather, it's trying to manipulate the spirits. And they do that through animal sacrifice. They do it through a lot of ceremonies. And this is actually a church group. It's a new group of believers I'll talk a little bit more later on about that are meeting together. And the Lord is growing them in his ways and his word. Uh, they're starting to face a little bit of, of resistance from their own people. Um, but the Lord is doing work in La Mesa. The next one, please. We, uh, a couple years ago, moved to another village, and this one with a different people group. These are called the Deer People. As they uh, have a ceremony where they believe the deer is integral in uh, life, and they honor that deer, and they are as animistic and uh, probably even more conserved in a lot of their, their traditional ways than the group we were with before. There's less of them. And now we're working there. I'm making trips, doing some medical work. I'm still wanting to get back to the other people group, but this is where the Lord has us for right now. And uh, you can pray for these people and that the Lord would allow, allow us to develop real strong friendships, but with the, with the end point that those friendships are gonna, gonna, going to bring to them a confidence to hear and, and consider what we, what we have to say about our Lord Jesus. Next slide. Additionally, we've, um, the Lord for many years, even since um, Zealand visited us back almost 30 years with a, with a youth group uh, in another village, we've been working towards a project we're calling the Bond Servant Project. And what that is, it's developing these Mexican professionals to become what we're calling deacon missionaries. Uh, a quick story is that years ago, we were in the village with the Taramara people, and that was the first picture. And a young man who was in his loincloth had become a believer. And he was being discipled, and he ended up becoming the pastor. Hiltro is his name. And I was sitting with Hiltro at the table. We were studying God's word, and a knock on the door. And it was a young woman with her baby who was dying. And we had to drop what we were doing. Hiltro went home without the Bible study. And I spent three days gone taking care of the mom and the baby. This happened time and time again. And we just realized that the Lord has given us this work, and we should do it as a body, in community, or as a team. And what we needed were these, the people who have callings to share the kingdom, like the apostles, to preach and proclaim and explain. 
but you also need people with other giftings, giftings to serve, giftings in mercy, and you come together and you do it together. That's why the Lord intended. So the program is to challenge these medical professionals to be just that, to be bond servants, to serve in, the, in their professions. So when we're not with the people, uh, we spend a fair amount of time working with this. This is the group from last year, our, our, uh, some of our teachers, mentors, and students. Um, next one, please. The caption when I saw this on Facebook was, if 2020 were a swing set, and it would almost be funny, it would almost make us smile if it wasn't for the fact that it hits too close to home. Um, it, it hits me when I watch my mom slipping away through some dementia. Um, some of you may be uh, facing a, a, a diagnosis soon, and you don't know what's going to be, or the sleepless nights that you spend praying for your child. Um, the emptiness when you see somebody depressed. Um, maybe you lost a job. Uh, just being weary, helping people out who just don't seem to come out of that, that same rut that they're in. And how about just being worn down with uh, the uncertainty that we're facing right now and all of the new normals that seem to come up every single day uh, that we face, and for those of us who have kids, and for those who have grandkids, the level of anxiety and despair can, can, can start growing. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. Next slide, please. There we go. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, whose hope is in him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord's been working in, in our lives, and it's not just been the last eight months that we felt like we were on that, that swing set. It's been for a number of years. And in that, the Lord has bring, been showing us and teaching us a lot about what it is to hope in the Lord and what it is to wait on the Lord. Um, next one, please. This past January, I had the privilege of being with my dad and holding him when he went to be with the Lord. And my dad was 81, and um, the last six months were really hard for him. He was tethered to an oxygen tube as he couldn't get enough, couldn't get a breath. Um, couldn't sit up on his own, couldn't feed himself. A dear Christian lady in the community, uh, an artist, had done an oil painting. And uh, when she heard about my dad, she gave me this painting to give to him. And my dad sat, and this painting meant so much to him in his last days. And you can, you can look at it, what it is, it's that bird who's uh, been caught in a house, probably bumped against the windows, and finally is sitting on the window ledge, longing, longing, for life to be different. Well, um, I've been looking out some windows too, and maybe you have too, longing for change, or longing to go back, or longing to go forward. Um, some of those w windows are full of anxiety, some of anticipation. But as we, we start out today, I want us to look at in God's Word, and you don't need to go there, I'm going to kind of tell you the story, you already know it. And it's from the book of uh, Joshua, and it's about a young, young woman who spent some time looking out a window also. Um, Joshua had sent a couple of spies out. God had already promised that they were going to take over the land. He had sent two spies out, and they approached one of the fortified cities, Jericho. And they went into the city, and they were trying to, obviously, they had a strategy, and the strategy was to try to be undetected, so they went to the house of a prostitute. They figured that would be the least uh, suspicious place for strangers to, to lodge. 
Well, the king clued in and he sent some soldiers. You know the story. Uh, they were supposed to arrest and probably execute them. But the, the, the prostitute, the young woman whose name is Rahab, God had been working in her life. In spite of who she was and what she'd done, God had been working in her life. In fact, she acknowledged further down as we read it that your God, he was ta- she was talking to the spies, is the God of gods. And we are terrified. We know that you have annihilated everybody you've come up to. And so she said, I'm going to let you out. And, I, and she did. She ended up letting them out her window on a rope. As she did that, though, she pleaded with them. She said, would you please remember and have mercy on us when you come back? Because we know your God is going to give this city to you. And they did. They agreed. As they were going out the window, though, they, they, they saw a cord laying, or a cord in her room, and they said, for, this to, to, for, us, to be honor, for us to honor our promise to you, that, that scarlet cord, you put it in your window, tie it to your window, and you and your family have to be in this room when we come back. Now, the city of Jericho was a huge fortress. It was uh, thick walls. Her house was built into the actual wall. It was under a, a uh, stay-home order, if that sounds familiar. Uh, high level of anxiety there. And I'm sure that whole week, uh, or it was probably a couple weeks, there was just a lot of anxiety. Um, and I'm sure that, that Rahab kept looking out her window wondering when this was going to happen. It wasn't a question if, it was just when. And I just wonder, what was she thinking when she saw the dust? What was she thinking when she saw the 40,000 soldiers coming close and starting to circle. I'm sure it was a mix. I'm sure that there was terror still in her heart. But you know what? That terror, I, I'm convinced, was, was leaving as she looked out her window and she could see that cord there. And remember that that cord represented a promise. It re- represented salvation to her. It represented hope. I don't think that uh, she spoke the same language as those spies. Those spies were probably selected because they spoke the some of the local dialect. Uh, but when they told her, you put that cord out your window, I don't know if they, uh, if they realized that that cord, the name in Hebrew, uh, next slide, slide, please, that the name of the cord in Hebrew was Tikvah. And I thank the Lord for your pastor who can help and coach me a little bit. But in Hebrew, it actually means hope. The word for cord, the synonym is hope. And as she was putting that cord out, she was putting hope in her window that represented a promise of deliverance. I'm sure that all of you have a moment uh, like uh, I had at 7.36 a.m. on the 2nd of April in 19, or 2017. We all have those kind of moments. But it's one of those that changes your life, um, one of those that is uh, one of those very difficult times. Um, I was in the village with the Tatamata people. We were doing medical work, and uh, we had satellite internet. It's really remote where, 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 where these people live. It's a five-hour four-wheel drive in or an airplane trip in. Uh, we have a generator and solar panels and on and on. It's not, I don't want to build it up. It's, it's glorified camping sometimes, but nonetheless, it is a long ways there, and the only thing that we have to communicate was satellite internet. Well, I get a WhatsApp on satellite internet to call Ruth. And in that phone call, she tells me that my younger brother had been murdered by the cartels the night before. You know, we had, the cartels have been uh, gaining strength in Mexico for the last 15 years, and their violence has been, been being propagated all over. And it's, it's a reality for us now. Um, I'm really thankful 
Uh, a lot of missionaries have had to deal with that sort of thing as they raise their children in those environments, and we did not. But in the last 15 years, things have changed, and we've been stopped many, many times by these folks. And uh, by God's kindness, go on through. Well, my brother was an entrepreneur, and he owned a ranch, wasn't involved in drugs. But um, there was some jealousy in the area. He bought a big ranch, and these guys caught him on the way down to the mountain and machine gunned him, basically assassinated him. So when I got that message, it was, it's when your world stops. You know what that feels like. And it stopped because I called in, and we had an airplane come pick me up, and I flew over the mountain because my mother was living in another state in Mexico, still is, and it was this same brother who had been caring for her. She's in her 80s now. And uh, I had to go tell her. I had to go tell my mom that she had lost a son. And as I was on that, fl- on that airplane going over, it was, it was hard to find hope. Uh, personally, for the family, uh, what this was going to mean to my dear sister-in-law and her kids, um, to, to the extended family, to my dad, who didn't know about it, and my mom, obviously. Um, there was a hole, and it was hurt, and it was hurting. But also, besides that, it was, what is this going to look like in my life? Because now that my brother's gone, somebody has to take care of my mom. We have invested decades here with these people. We love these people. Uh, we've got friends who've come to know the Lord, and we're, we're, we're sharing the kingdom and the truths to grow up in him. And we've got others who are this close, we think, to believing. The clinic has been seeing 20 or 30 patients a day, people with ter- tuberculosis and kids with meningitis. And it's so, so wonderful to see a little child grow up that you had on an IV that was dying, and the Lord allowed that child to, to live. And thinking, Lord, this child is going to have a chance to know you. But here on the airplane, I knew I wasn't going back. I also was concerned, too, because at that time, our mission team was struggling and continues to this day. And the mission team, it was already short-staffed, and we really didn't have anybody to full-time cover the clinic work. And so it was this hopelessness that I was feeling. And I just had to cry out to the Lord. Lord, you are our hope. You're my hope for, for who I am to be able to, to, to know you as the living God. You are my hope. And this word for hope really means, and it's not English is weak in that. We talk about being optimistic. I hope it's going to rain. Uh, let me cross my fingers. We hope the best will, you know, hope for the best. It's not just an optimism. It is a confident expectation that God is going to fulfill what he has promised to us. And the Lord did bring that to my heart. And he's also helped me to uh, see a few things to kind of make that a little bit more tangible when I start to go those places that I know I shouldn't go in my, in my thinking. I love the idea, I love the, the way that the Lord used this, this cord as an exa- to be thrown, thrown out the window for her to look at and for them to see that, that represented the promise of, of deliverance. I love that. And if you look at a cord, most of them are braided, and many of them have three braids. So this morning, we're going to sort of unbraid this a little bit and look at three different braids. And what this, this is about is that the Lord seems to have shown me three different ways rather three elements and three truths of hope that help me to grab on and hold on to that. Next, there you go. 
The first braid that we're going to look at is our trust needs to be in God and in God alone. It's not in anybody else. It's not an optimism, and it's not in anybody else. One of the kings in the Old Testament walked with the Lord all of his life. Uh, when, when in his later days there was some pride in his heart and, and he got sick, a sickness in his feet, and he said he didn't turn and look to the Lord. He looked to doctors. I'm a doctor. I'm not sure that's a good idea all the time. And he looked at the doctors, and the Scripture says, and he died in his illness. Nothing wrong with going to a doctor, but our hope has to be in the Lord and the Lord alone. So that's the first place. And the Scripture um, that I want to read, next one, please, says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. And then there's another verse that has, has come to mean so, so much to, in my heart. Because there were times after losing my brother and other things that, you know, the enemy or my flesh comes in there and, and they, you, I never went there. But I was tempted to go there and say, Lord, did you really, do you really care? Lord, um, this really hurts. You know, I know you're loving, but this somehow doesn't really feel that way. Lord, I know you're all powerful, but, you know, what happened? And I, I know it didn't slip by you, but, but it happened. Lord, what about these guys who did it? You know, what, what's, what's going to come of them? One thing God has spoken. Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he's done. And when the Lord allowed me to grab onto that, it was tangible. And I realized that if God's motives are, are loving, and he was able to, to, to avoid or help me or whatever, this is going to be okay. I can trust him. I can hold on to hope that he will fulfill his promises for me. A little update on my family. Um, the Lord has healed my family. My dad passed away, as I said, and uh, my mom, unfortunately, uh, dementia, uh, she was hit with some dementia at that moment when she heard about it. In fact, she was sitting, I went in to tell her about my brother's death, and she actually started speaking in Spanish, which is not her first language at all. She just, her mind just snapped. And uh, she's recovered some, and uh, it's just going to be for probably the rest of her life. We're going to just love her and, and uh, live in her world. But uh, the Lord's still been there, and the Lord is good, and he's given me time now with my mom to enjoy these months or years. Uh, my sister-in-law and family are doing fine. Now, we are doing okay. I know I have a hope that I will be. I will see my brother again. Uh, the next one, please. The second cord in this, the, the second braid in this cord of, of hope uh, is the, that I can hold on to is when I can remember God's deeds during these times when I'm wanting to despair. And those are his deeds of what he's done with the people of Israel, with his people, and the things he's done in my very own life. Um... When, I, when we had to leave the village, um, I thought, Lord, I feel, and, and actually I felt paralyzed after Randy's death as far as doing, doing missionary work. I felt like I couldn't hear the Lord. I couldn't see. I had, had very little vision for a period of time. Um, I really felt, I really felt like, like spiritually I was being drained out. And in looking back at God and how patient and loving and gentle he has been with his people 
and looking at Jesus, how he would go and not only did he cleanse the leper, but he healed the lame, he gave sight to the blind, he opened the hearing of, of the deaf, and he raised the dead. I thought, Lord Jesus, you know, you can do this to me. You can restore in me everything that I feel that has drained from me. And, uh, and he did that. Uh, in there, in the scriptures, you see where God has made a way through, through the Red Sea, that there was no way, all of these, these analogies and parallels. But it came back to me in looking at God and his deeds. But I also came back to remember how the Lord had rescued our souls many years ago when we lost a stillborn child at birth. And the scripture there is just beautiful. Um, I think I reference it later on, but it also talks about some of what we have today. And it says, uh, I cried out to the Lord and he bent down, and, or actually one of the verse, versions says, I waited for the Lord and he bent down and heard my cry and he lifted me out of that muddy pit and he set my feet on a solid rock. He gave me a new song in my heart and many will see, and I believe because in these times when we're going through this and we do hope in the Lord and trust Him, many will see and turn and believe in the Lord. And so I, I, I want to go back. I want to go back and remember what the Lord has done for me and to see in His Word what He has done for other people. And you know what? Hope is there. Hope is there. Uh, I don't need to give you much of an update. God has brought new opportunities to us. Uh, with this Dear People tribe, with the bond servant training, and also now um, looks like we'll be able to go back into the village at some time in the future and probably take some of these physicians in and out. That's at least our prayer, uh, to mentor them in that with the Tarumara. Next slide, please. And the third, well, this one. Here's the scripture that goes with the last one. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your deeds of old. I will meditate on all your works and consider all of your mighty deeds. Psalm 77, 11. Next one, please. So, uh, there are three, three braids. I appreciate my wife braiding this a couple days ago. Uh, the first one, again, is we've got to trust God and trust his character. He's good. He's trustworthy. We remember his deeds uh, in our own lives and what he's done, and Jeremy mentioned it. We, we, we look into the, your word, Lord, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The third one though, is, is somewhat related, and it's that we need to know his promises for us, and we need to remind each other of them. When I came out of the village, too, uh, I mentioned briefly, I was worried about the work, the people, our friends who knew the Lord, and our friends who didn't know the Lord. I'm talking about these Indian people, and they, they live on a day-to-day -day existence most of the time, just with their food, uh, sickness, half of them my age had lost our, most of the people my age had lost half of their children to some sickness. And so they've got all of these needs, but spiritually there's such, such a darkness there. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm not indispensable, but you, these people need more workers there. And I, I'm just crying out to the Lord about that and about certain friends who I still want to share the kingdom with in Tarumara. Well, the Lord brought to my, my, my heart a verse, and it's out of Philippians 1.6. He who began, and it, and it says, he who began a work, good work in you, and that is true, in me and in you. It also is, he who began a good work in Benancio, he who began a good work in Carlos, he who began a good work in Lucia, will continue that work until completion, when it's on the day of, of his coming, on the day of Jesus Christ. And, you know, remembering that promise and being reminded of it just brought a hope to me again. 
This is okay. God's here. Sort of combining that idea of remembering his deeds and his promises. You know, when Joshua was crossing that river to go to Jericho, after he had crossed, he instructed one of the men from each of the tribe to go back and grab a big rock, bring it out, and pile it up there. And he did that so that every time an Israelite would go by, a father and a son or whatever, the boy might just ask, Daddy, what are those rocks? And the man would say, this is to remind us of how faithful God is, how he rescued us, how mighty he is, how loving he is. Our hope is in him. This is what he did at this place. And I think it's good as a community, as a church, as a family, as a couple, to have these little piles of stones in our lives that we remind each other of his promises. We remind each other of what he's done. Well, we're going to look back or talk, talk for what's remaining here a little bit about a second element uh, or a second essential part of our walk in Jesus, and it ties to hope. Um, back in Exodus, the, the, the uh, soldiers had told her, unless this, this cord is tied into the windowsill and you and your family are in this room when we get back, we're not bound to our oath, and the blood, your own blood, will be on your hands. So she had this hope. It was a promise that had to be tied in the window. We have a hope that's tied in our hearts. But also, he said, you, you all wait here. You must wait in this room for this to be effective in your lives. Well, I'm going to probably read this to you because I always get a little confused. I wrote this for myself, but I was trying to think, out, think through how these two tie together because as you read through the scriptures, hope and waiting come up in the same verses or in the same passage so often. There's got to be some reason for that, that hope and waiting are tied together. This is what I came up with. God will often give us a gift, and hope is one of those gifts. But then he often adds a command to it. And that's because the command is how he intends for us to get the most out of that gift. One example might be we have the armor of the Lord. What does the Lord say? Put on the armor of the Lord. It's not just enough to have it in your closet. So one more time. God will often give us a gift, and, and hope is one of those gifts. But then he adds a command, and that's because the command is how he intends for us to get the most out of it. I don't know about you, but I imagine that you all struggle with hoping, and, or not hoping, I imagine that you all struggle with waiting like I do. Waiting is tough for me. Um, you know, I, there, there's a season when you kind of think you're, you're getting a handle on something the Lord is has, has trying to teach you. And, and uh, okay, Lord, I think I'm, I, I think I'm understanding the fact that I'm confident. I'm expecting and confident that you've got this thing in my life and that you're going to get it done your way. And the Lord says, good, Kenny. You're, on, you're doing good. But then he says, but what about the next part, huh? What about you've got this, Lord, and you're going to do it in your way, and you're going to do it in your time? I'm lousy at that part. I even if I am hearing the Lord about something, I typically want it, and I want it now. And my praying is that way. My living is that way. It's hard for me to wait for the Lord. One of my dearest friends in life is a young man who's really been struggling. And has walked away from the Lord and, and lots of heavy and some dark stuff in his life. And as I've been crying out to the Lord over these years for him, um, I ran across a place in, in Galatians. 
and Galatians is an interesting book, and I never saw this, but it talks a lot about the timing of things. And in Galatians 1, Paul writes, he says, God, who called me from my mother's womb, when the time pleased him, he showed himself to me. Now, as I'm thinking about my dear friend, and this, it's as though, okay, and I believe that this, this young man has been called from, God's, from, from the mother's womb, but here God says, when it makes me happy, when it's my timing, I will show myself to him. And I thought, all right, Lord, I want to learn to wait. I don't do it very well. Um, the next one, please. Waiting. Um, it's not that we just have to wait. And if I've said that, I should have corrected myself because wait is not the same as await. The Lord tells us to await or rather to wait for him because waiting is just sitting on my fingers. It, it's spinning wheels. It's uh, killing time. That's wait. But waiting for has an object to it, either a person or an event. We are waiting for Jesus to rescue somebody that we're praying for. We are awaiting the second return of our Lord Jesus. It has an object. Um, and as I was praying, I, I came to both um, some commands as well as some blessings that are listed in, in waiting. Next slide, please. Jesus is commanded. And, and if you want to look through God's word, there are dozens, maybe, maybe hundreds, but of places we are, where we are told to wait for the Lord. But here's just one of them. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And I didn't put this in here because I didn't want to extend the time too long, but sometimes when we're having to wait, it's easy to, to lose some courage. It's easy to be timid, for me, cowardly, especially during those times when nothing seems to be happening. So take courage. Next one, please. As, as well as commandments, the Lord lists out just many, many blessings that he offers to his children when we wait for him. Uh, here's just a couple. The Lord is good to those who, who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Next one. Those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. Other places it talks about um, besides restoration and strength, there's joy, there's peace, there's direction. Um, I already quoted a little bit from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. This is when we had lost our little child. And he reached out and pulled me out of that pit of depression, out of that pit of, of really um, um, suffering. And he set my feet on a rock. And there were other people who saw how God did that. And they considered turning to the Lord. We had a chance to testify of the Lord's goodness because of that. So the Lord rescues us. He gives us opportunity when we wait on him to share the kingdom with other people. So what are we waiting for? Next slide, Next slide please. You know, what, is it, what is it really to wait? Um, what we're waiting for is for God to show up in this situation. Do you remember the story? Of course, I know you do. Uh, when the people were being led out of captivity and they crossed the Red Sea, the way God led them was through this pillar of, of fire at night that, that glowed through the clouds and then the clouds in the daytime. If that pillar of clouds moved, they moved. If it didn't, they, did, they stayed put. So we're, we're waiting on him uh, to show up. We're waiting on him for leading, uh, to hear him. And it means to depend on him, to count on him, to long for him. 
Uh, you can go put the last one up, and that's the last slide, I think. So, um, but I would like to just kind of wrap it up with, with uh, some word pictures that, that I was trying to figure out how to uh, articulate. But what do we do, or what do people do generally when the Lord hits the pause button in their life and they've got to wait for him? There's a couple of ways that people respond to that. Um, one of them is, okay, I'm, I can't wait. I'm sorry, I'm going to go home. I'm just going to hang up the towel on this and go home. And I think of, of the, the, the rainy season in the mountains where we worked. We drive big four-wheel drive trucks, huge tires, and there's, because there's lots of creeks. And when it rained, what had been dry for 11 months of the year now was raging. And uh, we'd come up to these creeks, and I remember one time we were heading out to the mountains, and we were going to meet with the, the, these, these uh, God-fearing Paramatas and work in the clinic, and that river was just running too rough, and we couldn't cross it. And we, we just felt we couldn't wait. We went home. And I think we might have missed the Lord by not waiting there. Uh, there was another time during that season that in the town where we, were, we had a house, we heard of the story and it was, uh, of a young man who had been at a party with his family. He was a, a man in his early 20s maybe. And he was driving a suburban full of his extended family. Four or five young kids, a, a bunch of teenagers and a few adults. And they came up to a line of cars and trucks parked in a parked. And he just started going by him, and what, he, what they were waiting on was a road had been flooded there. The, the river, it was a little bridge that had been built, but the river had come up over that bridge some. And he kept going by, and he went by 15 or 20 cars. He got up there, he thought, I'm not waiting. And he went into that with the Suburban. Well, the water came up and actually came into the engine and, and killed the engine. Well, then the water was so fast and rushing that it started carrying the Suburban, and it went off that bridge and into the arroyo of the creek, and all of them except him, that young man, were killed. And he ended up taking his life about three years later out of guilt. You know, waiting on the Lord is what he wants. It's for a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons, but not just to throw in the towel when God says, wait, that's not what he wants, to pushing on ahead like King Saul did. Remember the story? He was not going to wait for, for uh, Samuel to come to offer that sacrifice. He was going to offer it, and he paid dearly for it. We need to wait on the Lord if we have any sense that he's the one who's pushed that, that pause button. Um, next one, please. And it'll put to the, just, I think, the end. There we go. Um, so what might it look like, or why does God ask us to wait? Um, you all have been... Uh, praying with me and helping me as I've been trying to get an airplane uh, built up for many years. And that airplane, the idea is to use it as an air ambulance. When we've got a sick patient in this one village, it's a five-hour trip taking him out. We've taken rattlesnake, rattlesnake bit young boy whose leg was cold and blew out to the hospital. We've taken a woman with a broken neck who the husband had drunk, shook her and banged her head on the ground. And we took her out, and she survived, and I can't tell you how many, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of trips over that road over the 20-some years we were there uh, to take people out to the hospital. Most of them survived and made it, but it was hard. It was hard on us. Ruth's back is still bad. But so we've been looking to try to get an airplane going. So finally, I've got this airplane almost done, and I thank Zealand for being a big part of that. And the idea now is to be able to go from where we're living, instead of a two-and-a-half-day drive to get back to these people, it's a two-hour flight and then to be able to use the airplane. So that's the airplane, and I really enjoy aviation. But thinking about aviation has helped me to kind of find a word picture or a few word pictures 
on why and how God might be asking us to wait or how it might come into our lives. As we fly in aviation, often we are under the control of an air traffic uh, controller. He's got his radar screen and he's sitting somewhere in a tower in a building and we are uh, accountable to follow his instructions. Well, there are times when you're flying in the clouds that this, this controller will say, Cessna 2 Victor Kilo, uh, you need to proceed to the holding point uh, Alpha, and you need to start circling, and we'll tell you when you can uh, start your approach. And sometimes that delay, that, that holding pattern he puts you in uh, is really, really frustrating. Hopefully, you've calculated your fuel and you're all fine, but you wanted to get to your destination. Well, God sees the big picture. God knows what's coming up ahead. He knows what's the best for us. He also is sequencing and doing this because he has a plan that we can't see. And sometimes he'll give, put us into a holding pattern, and he may not tell us why, or he might, but we have to trust him because it's going to be for his glory. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? Um, Mary and Martha, their brother was dying, and they knew it. And they sent word, because they, they believed, they knew, they had faith in Jesus. He can do this. Jesus, please come quickly. Uh, Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. And Jesus knew it, and he didn't. He didn't go. You know, what do we do when we know that there's an urgent need, and we're crying out to the Lord, and he doesn't seem to show up? Well, Jesus had the big picture in mind. Jesus was about to be glorified again as God who's come in the flesh, and it was going to be in a new and a more significant way because he delayed and because the disciples were delayed and because Lazarus died and the family was waiting. So sometimes when God is seeing the big picture, it feels a bit like a holding pattern he puts us in, and we just have to trust him, but it is for his glory. Sometimes that holding pattern can be real uncomfortable, though. Um, for me, uh, in limbo might be a way to put it. Um, Sometimes treading water or being on the bench. Uh, for me, there was even a time that I thought I was out to pasture in the sense of, of being useful. But looking back now, God had me in one of those holding patterns. Another thing a controller will, some, not sometimes, often do to a pilot, it'll be giving you a change in your course or a deviation. And you're flying along, and you've, on your chart or your map, you've laid it out, or now on your iPad, and you know from here to there should take you so long, and people are waiting for you, for you on the ground. Well, now the controller comes on, and uh, Cessna 2 Victor Kilo, over. Uh, yes. Uh, Cessna 2 Victor Kilo, uh, fly heading 080 until further advised. Well, I'm flying a different heading than that, and that 080 is not going to take me home the way I want to go. And he doesn't come back and tell me why. And so, you take up a new heading. Sometimes he'll tell you, he'll say, uh, two Victor Kilo uh, heading 080 for uh, uh, traffic. Uh, there's a 737, a uh, thousand feet below you, and we want to maintain your safety and separation. Thank you. Sometimes when God gives us a change of course, it's going to translate into waiting. But sometimes that waiting is for our own protection. In the Old Testament, um, God did not take the Hebrew people directly to the Promised Land because he knew that they may not be able to face those enemies. They weren't strong enough. They didn't have the character or the faith yet. So he took them the long way around. They had to wait to get there. Sometimes the controller will give us a change of heading because it's actually a different assignment. And this can happen with missionary pilots. Sometimes there are 
uh, flying, and, and it's not a controller, but it's somebody who's on the radio say, uh, yeah, hey, uh, we just got a message that there's somebody sick in such and such a village. Can you stop by and pick them up? So we're actually delayed or interruptions. And then this is one I struggle with as a, as a follower of Jesus, because when interruptions come into my life, most of the time it's interruptions because somebody is needing something and I have the opportunity then to say, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, I'm going to defer my plans, I'm going to change this flight plan I had, and I'm going to minister to this person because it may be, and it probably is, somebody that God sent into my life for something. And so there can be a change of your course or a change of your timing, but if it's an interruption, consider it that maybe it's of the Lord. There was a... Uh, a gentleman who had a flat tire, he was an Indian guy, and he was one of the, the chiefs. He had an old, old truck, and the tires just, you could see the cord clip through them and bubbles on them, and, and he had no spare. But anyway, he was broke down one time. And we were able to, to stop what we were doing and help him. But you know what? That guy uh, had been so antagonistic to the gospel. He actually got up in one of the meetings when some Christians were wanting to, to this is in another village, wanted to build a church, and he got up there and ranted and raved publicly, and he was able to keep them from doing that church building. So he wasn't somebody that I really, really would have been too happy about giving him an attire. But you know what? The Lord put him there, and we had a chance to, to bless him. Not long ago, I was working on an airplane in Tucson, and I dropped some oil spots on a, on a small sidewalk, and I knew that the guy who was in the next hangar was very picky about his, his hanger, very particular, and I didn't clean him up, and I should have, but uh, I, got a, I got somebody said, hey, he's really upset at you, and I thought, oh, I'm too busy, I got to get this airplane going, but I went and cleaned it up, and then I went and apologized to Mike, and this gruff, opinionated gentleman over the next six months changed so much that we've been praying together, he's looking to the Lord about stuff, and it was just God's timing in his life. So we may have a new assignment. Uh, and sometimes when they give us a change of heading, it's because they know there's a thunderstorm up ahead and we just can't see it because of the clouds. So it's to keep us from, from a really bumpy ride. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but how should we wait on the Lord is, is what we're going to end on. Um, and the Lord in, in Luke chapter 12, uh, Jesus was telling this parable and he gave us the parable of the servants who were waiting for their master, and I think it was a wedding, and uh, it was really to help us to wait for his second coming, but it applies to any waiting that the Lord asks us. And he says, be dressed, uh, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. And later he said, and the master who finds a servant doing these things will be blessed while, he, if, doing these things while he's waiting will be blessed. Just quickly, be dressed for service. These guys were expecting the master to come back at any time. So when you're waiting, don't do it without expectation. Expect the door to open at any time. Expect the situation to change, God to show up, and for you to be ready to serve him and what he's got for you. Keep your lamps burning. That talks about our, our walk in Jesus, the holiness in our life, the, the testimony that we have. Guard yourself. If you're in a time like a lot of us are right now with COVID and everything else and, and not sure what's happening, make sure that you're living righteously for the Lord. People are watching you in that. Um, and then doing what you're supposed to do. They're going to be blessed if they're found doing what they should be doing. That's being faithful. Continue to be faithful. Um, I'm going to speculate a little bit here. Um, 
Rahab, she was a prostitute. These guys saw a red cord laying in her room, and they said, put this in your window. And I don't know, but maybe that cord was hanging on her, on her front door when they walked in that day before. Maybe that was her calling card. Again, I'm just speculating. But it, the truth of it is, God loves to take something that's from our old life that we've destroyed and turn it around and make it into a promise for his glory and for our salvation. Lord, I just want to say thank you for your word. I thank you for your, your body, this community of believers. I thank you that we have hope in you. You are called the God of hope in your word. And I thank you that we can cry out to you, we can wait for you, and you are faithful, and you will rescue. In Jesus' name, amen.